Pastor Ed Taylor on what our primary goal should be as parents. Get your kid to Jesus. Reveal the cross, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's your goal. That, that's not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. That, that is the target for your kids. It's a singular goal. It's not, it, what's important for your kids is not what their career is. It's not where they go to school. It's not how they excel in sports. Your singular goal is to get your kids to Jesus so that they might know him personally, serve him wholeheartedly, and live eternally in his presence. Get your kids to Jesus, parents. That's your goal. This is amazing grace. There is no doubt about it, parenting is one of life's most challenging roles. The tired, discouraged, and hopeless faces of many parents today testifies to that. Well, fortunately, the Lord doesn't leave us stranded without any help. And today on Abounding Grace, we'll hear how we're to raise them to be lovers of Christ. It involves encouragement, training, and teaching, but also not provoking them. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Take your Bibles, open them, would you? Ephesians chapter 6 today. Ephesians chapter 6 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Parents Matter. And what a privilege it is to be entrusted with children. As we read in the psalm today, Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're not an intrusion. They're not an accident. Children are a heritage from the Lord. And happy is the man and happy is the woman whose quiver is full of them. Parents, you matter. You matter so much more than you probably realize today. God has entrusted to you the next generation to love, to care, to raise, to launch into the world as lovers of Jesus. And let's start right at the beginning here and remind you parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, no matter what role you have in a child's life, let me remind you parents, you have one goal. You have a singular goal with your children. You don't have five goals. You don't have 10 goals. You don't have 30 primary goals. You have one primary goal, and it's this. Get your kid to Jesus. Reveal the cross, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's your goal. That, that's not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. That, that is the target for your kids. It's a singular goal. It's not, what's important for your kids is not what their career is. It's not where they go to school. It's not how they excel in sports. Your singular goal is to get your kids to Jesus so that they might know him personally, serve him wholeheartedly, and live eternally in his presence. Get your kids to Jesus, parents. That's your goal. That's your responsibility. Because there's a battle for your kid's mind and for your kid's life, a spiritual battle. It can't even be overstated, so I'll state it very simply. There is a spiritual warfare, a contest, if you will, for your child's heart and loyalty. It's fierce and never-ending. 
For your kid, you got to put yourself in your kid's shoes for a second. There are so many choices and so much confusion in their life right now. And I'll tell you, in the world culture that we're in, with all the confusion, all the choices, they need a stable home. They require a stable home, a place of refuge, because the world is so very attractive. And unfortunately, our Christian homes today can be so confusing. Mixed messages. And who hurts but the kids? The kids are vulnerable. And it's a wise choice parents make to relentlessly pursue your obedient submission to Jesus, abiding in him, so you can teach your kids and lead your kids and show your kids the way in which they should go. Hold your place in Ephesians. I asked you to open there first, but would you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6? One of the foundational principles in all the Bible when it comes to parenting is right here in the Shema, the prayer that a Jewish man would say every morning. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, pick up with me there in verse 4. I want you to see it in your own Bibles rather than just read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Verse 9. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Jewish men, the Jewish women, take this seriously. Even today, if you will go to Israel with us, you'll see that the conservative religious Jews still put for their prayer time, they attach a box to their forehead, they wrap their arms, and through every doorway in Israel, there's a little box there with scriptures with this in it, inside, written in Hebrew, approved by a, an approved rabbi. They take this seriously in a religious way, but God is saying, I don't want you to take it seriously in a religious way. I want you to live this way. This is how I want you to live your life. I want you to live your life in such a way where you're talking about and living about, about the things of God in your home, knowing the commands of God, meditating upon them. This enables you to understand God's heart and apply them with your kids. The parents are in a position, you, you and I as parents are in a position to imprint them on our children's heart as well. Here's the danger. And if this is your approach to parenting, then it needs to change right away. And it's simply this. And it may never even be spoken, although I think in older generations they would say this even out loud. But it's not acceptable in any way. Don't think at all that you're going to be able to to parent your kids and get them to Christ with this attitude. Do as I say, but don't do as I do. That's not going to work. It's not going to work whether you say it or whether you live it, whether you imply it. Giving your children one set of expectations, but then you live them out in a different way. I'll tell you what, your kids will learn and lean toward an easy way out. And they will ignore what we say and actually do what we do. They can, you know, your kids are intelligent, super smart. They can smell hypocrisy a mile away. They may not have the language to communicate it. They may not be able to say it. They may not have the freedom to call you out and go, you know what, dad, you're a hypocrite. Probably not really wise for them to do that. So what do they do? They take it inside, they process it. They take it inside, they go, you know what, mom's a hypocrite, then I can be a hypocrite. 
And if, if they can learn how to put on a show, then I can put on a show. And they begin to live their lives as they follow you. We have to remember that our kids at any age, especially when they're young, they wrestle with the flesh too, just like you do. In their carnality, they're looking for a reason to sin, just like you, except they don't have the, the developmental, as they're progressing in growing up, they don't have the developmental you know, capacity to deal with sin like you do. They, they don't really quite understand it all. They don't know how to process it. So they need an example of what it looks like for an adult to live their life as unto the Lord. And it's good to be reminded here before we jump into Ephesians 6 that raising your kids is not the church's responsibility. It's not our responsibility as a church family to raise your children. It's not the Sunday school teachers or the pastors who oversee the youth group. The primary responsible person for raising kids is you and me. It's my responsibility to raise my kids. It's not your responsibility. Now, of course, I have the privilege now of looking back and saying, well, I've raised my kids into adulthood. Along the way, making many, many mistakes. But it's not my responsibility to raise your kids. Although, I do want to live in such a way where my life can be an example to your kids. That I can live in such a way where I can encourage your kids and serve your kids and help your kids. And really, what the role of the church family is to partner with you. The pastors here aren't to replace you. We have no desire to replace you, but rather to partner with you, to support you, to encourage you, to instruct you, to pray for you. But it's not our responsibility. The church is a place of instruction, yes, but only to the point of encouraging you and helping you as we partner with you, supporting you in your role to raise your kids. Jot this down, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a couple things in this verse that are important to address. First of all, you have a responsibility to train up your children. The word literally speaks of stimulating, the Hebrew word here, stimulating an appetite for. So it's in your life of training and disciplining your children that you stimulate an appetite to worship the God that you worship. Because really, your kids are going to follow you, no matter what. They're going to follow in your footsteps. They're going to stay close to you until a point where they decide, we're going to do my own thing. And then they have a bigger choice to make. But our responsibility is to train them up. And it has to take root in you first, energizing you first, changing you on the inside first, so that it will flow naturally out of you into those, especially those little hearts that God has entrusted you with. You have the awesome privilege of training your kids. They're moldable. They're shapeable, they're changeable, they're even unpredictable, but God has given you a special relationship with them specifically. And then the second part of that verse is often misunderstood because some of you listening to me, you have what we know as prodigal kids. They are no longer walking with God the way you raised them. And you come back to this verse and go, wait a minute, Ed, wait a minute. It says when they're old, they won't depart from it. But perhaps you're reading this in such a way where you're reading it, you train them up and they'll never depart and I don't believe that's what's happening in the context of the Hebrew language here. What I think is, what I think he's saying is when, when you're training up a child in a way should go, they will not depart permanently. And one way that I like to remind you, and Jesus picks up on this when he teaches and he gives parents a specific, he gives parents with prodigal kids a specific parable to encourage you. And I don't believe they'll leave permanently. I believe real prodigals come home. That's what Jesus said. 
True prodigals will come home. And we don't want to lose heart. And we want to back, you go, well, that's not the way I raised them. And that's true. That's not the way you raise them. And that's not what we train them. That's true. And so that's what you hold to as you look to God bringing them home and really praying the impossible prayer, isn't it? Sometimes I pray it for you because it can't come out of your lips. And that's, I'll pray it with you. And it's even hard for me to pray it for prodigal kids, but I'll pray, whatever it takes, Lord, bring them home. Whatever it takes. Very painful. Very painful. But it's necessary. It's better for them to experience temporary pain to bring them back to a relationship with the Lord. Perhaps today you're a prodigal. An adult prodigal. A kiddo. You're just putting on a show, but in your heart you're far from God. God's calling you back. It's not the way you were trained. Not the way you were discipled. Not the way you were taught. And you've chosen to live a life of misery right now. Oh no, Ed, you don't understand. It's so much better now. I'm just, oh, I'm so much more happy. Yeah, it's just all temporary foolishness. You're not as happy as you think you are. I mean, because you know as well as I do, when you put your head down on the pillow at night, there's something missing. There's a battle going on. Because you know the way that God has taught you and your parents have. There are those times, those difficult times, parents, that you might want to just give up and throw in the towel because parenting is so hard. But God has encouragement for you. He wants to teach you how to feed your kids, not just physically, but spiritually. He wants to teach you how to clothe your kids, not just physically, but spiritually. How to house them, how to protect them, how to grow them. It was Dorothy Nolte that once wrote down these thoughts. If a child lives with criticism, he'll learn how to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, she'll learn how to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, she'll learn how to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, she learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, she learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, she learns to like herself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he or she learns to find love in the world. Listen to the words. Criticism, hostility, ridicule, shame, tolerance, encouragement, praise, fairness, security, approval, acceptance, and friendship. Some of you might have paused at that word tolerance, and I just want to remind you, don't let the world define words for you. Don't immediately go, oh, you know, the world's crying. Tolerance is a good thing in the hands of God. When it gets all redefined and gets twisted around, of course we don't want to go with the flow of the culture. But don't be afraid and don't throw away good words because the world tried to rip them off. You want to learn tolerance and nuance is a beautiful word is how we interact with one another. It's not the approval of sin. It's not the dismissal of things that are black and white. Listen, parents, your kids need to know there is a right and a wrong. Your kids need to know that there are things that are simply black or white. You go to the left or to the right. And they are the ones that are going to show them both in word and in deed. So here we have in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to pick up at verse 1 because we covered this last time. But just for context, notice in verse 1 it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And then here's the instruction to parents. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And so the question becomes, parents, 
Who are you listening to in learning how to be a parent? And, and let's just say at the outset here that many of us picked up our parenting tips from the home in which we grew up in. And you know, you've got to cut your parents some, a break. They did the best that they could with the resources that they had. And you just got to understand that, just like you. Right now, you're doing the best that you can with the resources that you have, and most likely, you've taken an approach that you want to do a little bit better than your parents, or in some cases, a lot better, and you want to improve. And yet, the, the point is, as a parent, you're like, well, you know, here I am, I'm parenting the best that I can, and my kids will never be able to improve on me. <laughs> no, your kids are going to do the same thing. They're going to look back and go, I wish it was this, and I wish it was that, and, and they're going to want to improve, and improve, and improve. This is not a time parents. I mean, listen, as a pastor, I know anytime we talk about a couple of different topics, there's immediate condemnation that pops up. One of those topics is prayer. I mean, when I start talking about prayer, everyone's like, yeah, I could pray more. I could pray. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. I can't pray. I don't pray enough. And you just always have to be sensitive to that because it's not God's heart to beat you up over your prayerlessness. He just wants to talk to you. That's all. He wants you to enjoy your prayer life. Same with parenting. We look back and just think, man, I am just, I have failed so much as a parent. You have. It's true. You're not a perfect parent. And maybe even today, your kids are throwing it back in your face. You, you can't allow the condemnation of the enemy to come because you've failed. Of course you failed. So have I. And, and together, kids and parents, we learn to, what? The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And hopefully in our failures, we've learned from them. We've grown past them. And we extend grace and love to each other in the family. But this is not a time to beat yourself up over past mistakes. It's just simply a time to acknowledge the forgiveness of sin and to say, you know what? You're right. I've blown it. But we've all blown it. There isn't a parent listening to me that can stand up and go, you know what, Ed? I am the only parent that's never made a mistake. Can we talk to your kids, please? Yeah, we will put them on speakerphone right now because we know that's not true. So don't beat yourself up. And it's never too late to make a course correction in life. It's never too late. It's never too late to address this and go, you know what? That's an area I need to change. That's an area I need to get back to. That's an area, even with my adult kids, that I want to improve on. You want to listen. You don't want to listen to pop psychology on how to parent. You don't want to listen to whatever the latest YouTube series or what, what new thing in culture. This is how you parent. This is how you parent. No. You want to follow what God's word says. And God's word does have instruction. And I love how simple it is here. Parents, there's really two things being said here. One in the positive, well, I would start one in the negative, and then one in the positive. Two things in parenting. Very simple. Number one, don't provoke your kids. Don't make life harder for them than it already is. Don't take advantage of them. You could say a lot of different things about provoking your kids. Don't rule over them. Don't harm them. Don't abuse them. Value them as the human beings that they are. You know, your kids are human beings in the womb already. Worthy of respect, love, honor, care within the family unit that God has given you. Don't provoke them. And then secondly, in a positive, do. So don't provoke them. But what are we to do? It says bring them up in training and admonition. Or you could also say encouragement. You could say you're, you're there to teach them how to follow God, to train them, to exhort them, to obey God. It's very simple. 
Although in its simplicity, we almost just gloss over it like it's an impossibility. It's not. And it's tragic that through a parent's behavior, a child's will can be broken and their spirit can be crushed because we don't take heed to this. And that's where in that book by James Dobson, The Strong-Willed Child, that's the, I learned that concept from him. I didn't know that I could crush my little kid's spirit. I didn't know that. That was, a, that was not something that I had in my toolbox as a parent. I mean, really, I became his parent as an unbeliever, so I had nothing in my toolbox. And I just went on, like some of you might be doing, on my own, just making it up as I go. But that was tragic. And God saw that tragedy and intervened in my life turn things around soon enough where we could recover and I could grow. But even as a believer, I made mistakes along the way with all of my kids, all the way through, as each of them were unique and required a unique approach. It wasn't one size. Wouldn't that be nice? One size fits all. You just go down to the rest cafe and order, let me have a large cup of parenting. And we just start giving them away. It's like, no, we're not even charging for that. We're giving you two cups and three cups. Take them all. But it's not that way. We got to be praying and seeking God for how we're to parent each of our kids, and in some cases, grandkids, great grandkids, nieces, nephews, the children that you have influence on. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been talking about parenting and how to raise our children to be lovers of Jesus. It's part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series, Family Matters. Hear it again through the Calvary Church app when you search for Ed Taylor. We're also on Apple Podcasts, and it's accessible through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, let's talk for a minute about how our relationship might look a little different once our kids are adults and no longer under our roof. How does our role and responsibility as parents change, if at all? Well, Larry, that's a great question. Uh, Marie and I are actually in that position right now. And it's a very interesting position to be in. It's, it's a blessing to be in, in that this is why we raised our kids to launch them into the world as full-fledged disciples of Jesus living out their life and God's will for their life. And so some things change and some things don't change, right? We remain our parent, our kids' parents forever. Uh, we get to lead them and guide them and speak wisdom into their lives and help them with questions and help them navigate through things. But what does change is that we as parents really have to shift gears in our minds and respect our kids as the adults that they are and are becoming. And we really want to encourage that in them. We want to strengthen them. We, we aren't going to be overly corrective. Uh, we want to be very careful how we, how we step into their life, especially if they're married uh, you know, when they're married, then they leave their father and mother and cling to their spouse. And so now it's almost like you become a consultant, uh, if you will, where you can speak into their lives and, and encourage them. Um, but that authority of them living under your roof, you know, has certainly changed. Now, I do say that uh, it's, a, it's a very exciting time. It is challenging uh, to have an empty nest, especially uh, if there are areas of your marriage that are exposed now and really need attention, but it is a great reminder for you to pour into your marriage, enjoy this time, be prepared to serve your kids. If you're blessed with grandchildren uh, in those new relationships, then definitely be ready for that because it is an honor, let me tell you, um, because not everyone gets to experience their grandkids. And if you do, then man, that's such an honor that the Lord has bestowed upon you. Uh, jump, 
into that with full force and, a, and be the grandparent that God wants you to be. And then, of course, if your adult kids are single, encourage them there in their singleness. Keep pointing into the Lord. Uh, but yeah, definitely things change and some things change, some things don't change. But you can be sure of this. Every situation is different and the Holy Spirit is there to help you along the way. So trust him and look to him. Hey, thanks for those words of encouragement, Pastor Ed. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. I don't have to remind you that hard times visit all of us. Elizabeth is no stranger to suffering either. Her first husband, Jim, was murdered. Her second husband was lost to cancer. But it was in her deepest suffering that she learned the deepest lessons from God. Read all about it in Suffering is Never for Nothing. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a donation of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll free, 877-30-GRACE. We'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's message, Parents Matter, tomorrow on Abounding Grace. See you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 